Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Unlaced Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you are new here, please give us a like and subscribe. It's how we grow. And if you come back, as I always say, I absolutely love you. Now, last week we did a Christmas special with a couple of my best mates, one of the loosest but also funniest episodes that was uh, quite wholesome for this time of year. So go back and check that out. Tell your mates you love them. Uh, that was sort of the mantra of the episode, which hopefully you guys enjoyed. Now, I speak about it all the time. I'm a football person. I love my football. We have tried to get this uh, special human being on a couple of times. And uh, as we spoke before the podcast, it's probably worked in our favor that it's happened at this time. But our last episode of the year, and I'm very delighted to introduce uh, Matthew Leckie. Thanks for having me, mate. How are you, bro? Good. What's going on? Not much. Just straight back into it, back at City. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a breather at all? I didn't this time. Obviously, after other World Cups, we've had a, a bit of a holiday after, but circumstances of having it in the end of the year, yeah, it's just straight into it. Do you think? Um, you think like with the the way the World Cup was this year, the quality of football was better because less people had played fifty, sixty game seasons. Particularly like your experiences in Europe, you could probably relate those sort of big camps after the big seasons and then the tournaments. It's. Do you think the quality of football was higher, or did it make not make a difference? Yeah, I think. From what I saw for most of the games, it was quite entertaining from both side, uh, both teams. Uh, you know, there was a lot of high-scoring games and it just seemed more attacking. Being mm. in Russia last time, there wasn't really, there was a lot of uh, games where there was not much going on. So, I mean, there was positives and negatives to uh, this World Cup. Obviously, we had a fair few injuries of like superstars of the game. So, there was a lot of, ga- uh, a lot of great players missing um, at this World Cup. But, yeah. I think from the footballing side, it seemed to be at a higher quality, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, before we go into the World Cup, because I know everyone at home is going to want to listen and, and speak about some of Lex's experiences and Qatar in general, the, the whole tournament and so forth, but we have a bit of beef to pick because I don't know if you know, but I signed for Adelaide when you left and sort of I was the, I don't know, deemed a young, good player at the time. So they said, well, Jake, you're coming in. You're going to take number 19 because that was like the young, good player number. Little did I know that you'd tore up the, tore up Hindmarsh at the time for like two years straight. So then I had this weight on my back of like, I play seven out of 10. Oh, he's not good. He's not as good as Lecky. I'm like, I'm a center mid. Like this guy was dancing up and down the field. So for, for like a, two years, I kept copying this shit that I'm like not as good as Lecky. I don't think you have any idea about this, but like, <laughs> I fucking was on like everywhere I went. It's like, oh yeah, you're not gonna let Lecky or that number like this or that. I'm like, fuck me. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, crazy, yeah, huh? It is. Yeah. Um I was only there for a short time and obviously I was just young and a raw player, so obviously most of the most of the things I did when I did get the ball, it was um, you know, exciting to see. Um and yeah, I just was there for two years. I think the the second year I was mainly injured for the most of the season, but um I don't know what your time was like. If you're getting all that, get <laughs> no, handled, I had a good time. Uh, I had a good time. Yeah, it's just, I mean, at the time, you like you were like a one pace player. It was like zero to a hundred all the time, which was that stood out in that period of the A League. Like a lot of fast attacking young players coming through, getting a lot of recognition, even still to this day, because it's exciting to watch. But 
I was like more of a technical midfielder, so worlds apart. But they gave me the number 19. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't even know what I was walking into. I was like, yeah, I'll wear that. Like, whatever. <laughs> and then the next two years, it was just this lecky comparison. I'm like, fuck me. Now we meet. <laughs> it was a part of my demise, Braden. It only lasted two years and I ended up retiring. So maybe we can blame Lex. But um, one one of the things that's pretty um, amazing to me, because I think we've grown up, like how old are you now? 31. 31. So I'm 29. So we grew up in the same year. But being the most capped soccer at the World Cup, like when, especially when you're growing up in the year we've grown up in where we watch the 06 generation and so forth, like is, is that something you have thought about or has hit you yet or is that just kind of breezed your mind because you're still sort of, you've come straight back into playing for Melbourne City? Um, yeah, it's obviously good that I've, you know, made that many appearances. I think... Um, I just really haven't thought about it. Yeah, I don't like think I, you get. I don't think you've I've had a, got um, it. I had an interview, um, like last week, and it was the same. I just said, getting into the national team is one thing, and then I always thought to myself, like every game I have to perform to stay because you know because I've been there for so long now. I've seen players come in, do well, and then sort of have a moment of not playing so well, and then you don't see him for a while. So. For me, the key was always just to tr- try to play my best every game to um, make sure I didn't give any reason to, to be out of it. And yeah, I don't even know what year, you know, when Ange took over, I think it was 2013. Yeah, I think just it was. Just before the World Cup. Yep. So basically since then I've been a regular. So yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's one of those things I'll look back on when I've, you know, stopped national team or just retired in, in total. But um I'm not really one to, to dwell on like achievements and stuff. It's just, you know, it's, it's cool, but, um, here's what it is. <laughs> Man, that's the most laid back answer. He's the most capped soccer at a world cup, right? The biggest tournament in the world. <laughs> he's, he's literally spoken a fag as he's answering that with like the most laid back tone. I absolutely love it. Um, how, how for you to like take away the football stuff, like how was just the overall experience? Obviously you've been to two already through all your third world cup, but just, being at a World Cup, the frenetic nature of the fans, the, the all eyes on sort of every game. What what was that like this time around? Yeah, it was good, and we didn't know what to expect going into Qatar. There was obviously a lot of um, criticism, um, so it was a bit of an unknown for us as well. And I arrived at like three thirty in the morning. Uh, airport was empty. Driving to the hotel or like the complex we stayed at it was empty as well. So I was just like, well, it doesn't really feel like a World Cup, really. Yeah. Um, and I've always said, as a player, you're never really going to experience a World Cup as a fan would, because we're basically in a bubble the whole the whole campaign. Yeah. And the only time you really get the buzz of a World Cup is when you know the games start and you get to the stadium. And um, I think the coolest thing about a World Cup is there's obviously um, most of the time sort of a split fifty fifty or sixty forty, but what I want to say for from nat- the nations, mm. um, obviously you know playing against. Peru in the knockout game and the majority of the South American teams, they sort of dominate the, the stadium. I don't know how they get yeah. um, so many in. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. They got some something with the tickets. But, yeah, the game against Argentina, there's just so many of them and they obviously live and breed football. So, yeah. But we had a decent amount of um, fans, um, Aussies, and, um, yeah, it's just cool. I think uh, that's the that's the big, the big part of it is – when you're at the game and then yeah. the rest is just like really being in another camp because you're just away from everything. Do you feel when like, when the game started, do you feel the, pr- like not the pressure or just like 
that you're in that World Cup game? Or is it kind of, because as a player, the mentality, I can imagine the build-up so different and so forth. But when you're in it, does it just feel like another game? Or do you kind of capture that this is bigger than your average sort of experience? Um, I think uh, in this uh, World Cup specifically, um, leading up to the very first game, there was a bit more nerves maybe or thought over the day. Uh, we played a late game. That was a 10 p.m. kickoff. So mm. um, there was a bit of nerves leading up, but I don't know what it is. I think I always enjoyed playing in those type of games. Um, always when there's like a full stadium, mm. I always just, you know, thrive off it. And um, I'd much rather that, you know, sometimes – when you're playing in preseason and there's a friendly and you've got a couple hundred, it's it's really hard to, to yeah. get going or to even play well. Um, and yeah, I've just always thought like play my game because I said it to the boys when we were um, in camp. We sort of had a, a team get together before the, the start of this um, tournament and it was about, you know, just a few of us speaking and then if anyone else had anything to say, um, just amongst us players and – my thing was, you know, you're here for a reason. Uh, it's what you've been doing all the way up until now. Um, and I really believe that players perform to their best and play their best when they're happy and just confident and, and just do their thing. So um, sometimes pressure is you can't control it, but yeah. I've always just tried to steer clear of it. And I think the the mentality and the type of person I am sort of, Pretty pretty laid back. Oh, so I'd love to play with you in a World Cup. Man, yeah. this guy's so chill. I'd be like, all right, I've, I feel like I could relax a bit. It's, but that's important. You know, people don't understand that. Like sometimes if you buy it the other way, you can the moment can get to you. So yeah, 100%. It's, and I think it's in every footballer has a phase of, you know, having good moments and bad moments. It's just how you take the bad moments. And sometimes the bad moments for some players is like sent them to like a really bad place and they just yeah. never reached a level they, used, they had. So – um, yeah, I think as emotional and football is, I think, um, I've always just also had that in the back of my mind. It's just a game and you got to enjoy it. Cause if, if you're not confident and you don't enjoy it, then you never play. Yeah. Play well. You never yeah. do. Um, so it's just, yeah, trying to get the balance. What was the sort of initial feeling when you saw France first game? Obviously the experience in 2018, we probably went one of the closest to gaining a point off them or you know, clawing that game in. I don't know how Pogba's goal went in, I think, when he lobbed um, Maddie or whatever. But um, that first game, like, that was obviously a pretty critical game. Everyone always talks about the first game of the World Cup. What was sort of the mentality going in? They were, like, you look at that squad, it was stacked. And the, even the players that didn't make the World Cup is pretty scary in itself. Yeah, well, we always knew like, what we're coming up against. You know, it's one of the best national teams in the world. You know, and they showed it again by, you know, the best that he could have won the, the final. Um, so those types of things, uh, you just you just take it and, you know, we don't really have anything to lose. Um, mm. All we can do is, you know, shock shock the world and uh, do something that no one expects. So there's no real pressure on us. And um, I, another thing I said to the boys was, you know, um, it's no different to like, let's say at club level now we play against a friendly in, against an MPL side or whatever it may be. If I was in Germany and you play the cup and the first rounds against the fourth division, it's not easy because you know, they're going to come out, they're going to be aggressive yeah. and kick you and 
no one likes it. It's the worst game to play. Normally, the big players, they hate it. So, yeah. I said to them, we just got to get in their faces. Um, and I think it was pretty quite clear why we had our success was, was the mentality and the physicality we, we brought to games. You know, there was no one. We're a team that has to be good collective. We can't have one or two players not defending, walking. Mm. Um, it really had to be a collective. And I think every game um, we did that. And the France one was almost like a bit of a learning curb for us. Um, we didn't have any friendlies leading up to this one because obviously different circumstances, but it was a learning experience for us to, you know, go into those next two games and the good, I think the turning point was, or the good thing that was that, you know, Arnie said straight away, I don't want any negativity. Um, there's still six points to play and, um, you know, be positive. And, you know, ironically we, we ended up getting the six points and, um, it worked out exactly as he said. So, um, on another, on another circumstance, if, you know, the coach or the players react in a different way, we don't, you know, the ga- the the tournaments over there and then after first game because mm. it's very easy to get negative and and just think it's over. But um, you know, everyone stayed strong mentally and still thought we had a chance and you knew that there was still six points to play. And yeah, I think that's what Arnie said after the game. It was the best friendly that you guys could have asked for, which I thought was a really interesting comment because it wasn't like doom or gloom, and it was like yeah, it really kind of um gave a bit of the tournament mentality that is probably a bit more unique to like league football or domestic football with, with sort of, cause you're quite experienced now with playing at a lot of tournaments at the highest level. Is that, is there a difference in that sort of camaraderie and mentality that you have to focus on um, versus sort of the week to week stuff with the club? Because you guys, as you mentioned, you're in a bubble, you're kind of always with each other on the good and the bad stuff. Like you can't really avoid each other in the hotel rooms. You've got team meetings, physio dinners, all that sort of stuff. Do you find that that stuff's really critical yeah, but I think, um, you know, f- f- majority of the players have been around for so long and been around it. So we know how it is it's also with the bubbles, like a bubble's obviously a, a different circumstance to walk up to a normal camp, but post COVID, you know, we had bubbles then. So it was, yeah. you know, we, we had it, we had experienced it before and, you know, the one, one of the, the best things or the, the good things about the national team is, you know, the group is so good like together we're really close you know there's no real um, players with egos and no one in there to cause dramas and I think Arnie's set up a good culture and not saying he's picked his players based on that but um, you know all the boys know what's what's required and and how we need to play because we know we're not individually better than uh, a lot of the players we go against France we know we're not better than them but Mm. if we're a better team um, then we have a chance. So, um, you know, Denmark's, I think, I don't even know if I've heard they were in the top 10, maybe ninth ranked or something. Yeah, I think, uh, do you think people, and we're going to talk about that game because it's, it's life-changing for some, but like, do you think people in Australia, I think people in Australia, when we got the group, I always had, had thought Denmark's our most important game because of like, uh, maybe people don't know their names, but if you look at where they play in the world, like that starting eleven is as, lethal as any team going around and they're like a one of the best teams in Europe um do you think people back home really knew how good they were like do you think you guys got enough credit for not just beating them but in the actual occasion of what it was too um yeah I think depends on the the person I guess people that really have a knowledge for football would understand it and 
I'm sure they would follow knowing that they're in the top 10 um, yeah. in the World Cup rankings. They would know. But yeah, <laughs> that's another team that is a good team. Uh, they do have good good players and um, a couple of stars or a few stars that people know more than others. But um, it just shows like what a, a team can do. Um, mm. And, you know, I think they beat France. Um, yeah, they the did. Nations League, is it? They did, yeah. That's right. And they've, you know, they've won a few games and to get into that position. So um, that's the same for us. Um, we know that those teams are probably, like those individuals on paper are better than us, but mm. um, the chance that we have to beat them is based on how we do as a, as a team. And, um, yeah, the, um, the output that everyone put on for those games, like it was tough because, you know, we're backing up games, but everyone was just, you know, on. Yeah. Like it was just that, like, it doesn't matter if you're like, shit, it, was it awesome. doesn't matter if you're, if you're tired, just go. And I really think major most of the games we, we physically beat the opposition. Yeah. It seemed like Arnie almost picked a squad. Like, I think Arnie's so smart and I don't think he gets enough credit because he obviously left some stars out and then key players like Martin Boyle and stuff got injured in the lead up. But it felt like he picked a team that was there to run <clears throat> and also play for each other and all those sorts of things, but also ones that were fit, like playing week to week, didn't have to be for Manchester United. It could have been, you know, Hibbs or Hearts or St. Mirren. I think a few of the boys that got in from, but they were playing every week. So they, you couldn't question fitness and mentality and stuff, which I thought was really smart. But when you guys, obviously, you got through the Tunisia game and then we're coming up against Denmark. I think naturally everyone thought France were going to beat Tunisia. So a point would suffice. What was sort of the thinking there? Because I can imagine in a sense, you're kind of seeing half your, half the situation, you're almost out of the group, but it's a massive game against a massive nation. How was the sort of build up going into that? Um, yeah, the build up was, I think, you know, when Arnie speaks, he always says we go out to win a game and it's, it's true. Uh, we don't really change the way we play. We don't go more defensive because it's always dangerous. Um, I think the, um, the Olympic team going to their third game needed a draw to go through mm. um, and ended up losing 2-0. How they went into that game, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, we obviously expected or we thought, okay, France win, but there was the the point put up that they will change, like make a lot of rotations. We thought Mbappe would play because he would want to you know, yeah, score the golden boot. Um, and funny enough, we had no idea like their scenario in their game and, you know, we were just playing and supposedly the, the score came up on the, on the big screen. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't know. I don't know. Did if players any, see I it though? I don't know if any players saw it, okay. but um, when we scored, I think it was two minutes after they had scored. Um, and I think someone from the bench told Milos we were losing, uh, they were losing France. So we had to win. And trust me, Milos has come running over <laughs> to the group Saying, boys, Tunisia's winning one nil. We need to win this. So, you know, that scored, but let's Vital go. info. And Milos, being the guy he is, half the team didn't believe him. They yeah. thought he was just trying to like. Rev him, because that's up, what he's you know? like. Yeah. And it, not until the end of the game, we actually knew he was telling the truth. <laughs> Imagine that. So we cool. thought he was just trying to, you know, make sure we're on it. Um, <laughs> Milos. And no one believed him or like, whoever. <laughs> The players that actually heard him didn't really believe him. So, yeah, it was funny. It's, it's pretty un unbelievable in a sense, like Tunisia beating France in a, in a game like that. But just before we go into your sort of brilliance in the Denmark game, just want to get a gauge of like 
from being up close to Mbappe and how lethal he was or what sort of maybe, because everyone knows he's great, but what up, up close for you was like the most sort of notable thing that stood out about how good he is? Um, I mean, for his, like he's a left wing, oh, he's a winger. He's fairly tall. He's really, really quite tall. Really? Yeah. Very long legs and he doesn't look lanky, but he's, he's quite tall. And I think the, the biggest weapon he has is his first few meters off the mark. And it's funny because I knew in the game, the sort of like movements he likes to do, he likes to cut inside and he always like does a fake shot. Yeah. And comes back on his left. But sometimes he does it like looks so much that he's going to shoot that you still think he's going to shoot and then he still does chop. Um, he's just dangerous and he has like such good moments. So yeah. obviously in that game, they, we started off well and it was quite good in the first half an hour, but they set the team up. Like he's a player that sort of chills a bit, chills, waits for the ball and then, and then he's ready to go. And, um, you know, it's nice for him, I guess, um, to be able to, to be able to do that. But, um, yeah, you know, he obviously has got all the energy in the world when he gets the ball and he's just really fast, of course. So, mm. um, did you play any side that game? Yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> Cause who was, who was, was that Atkinson was, that Atkinson like, yeah. was up against him? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and to be fair, like for maj- the majority, we, I thought we did all right. Um, you know, he was getting a few crosses in here and there, but it wasn't like he was having any clear cut chances. Um, yeah, I mean, you see what he does, so it's just, it's hard to explain, but yeah, his first few meters, cause his legs are so long, he's so quick and, um, that's coming from you too. Cause you, well, I don't know about now, but definitely when you had that, that was like your game too. Yeah. I think now, like I've still got my speed, but I'm just probably not as fast off the mark. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you, like even that, like just being out there, of course, sitting, you know, like playing against Mbappe, but I didn't really think about it or care. Yeah, I don't, you it's don't strike like me as someone that does, that does care. You just got to go for it. The, you know what, speaking of like your change of speed and all that sort of stuff, like question whether you dropped the yard in your first few steps or not, but that, the Denmark goal, that was like, that was the Matthew Leckie of old in a sense, or the Matthew Leckie of new, depending, but um I actually, and look, I know you're you're a pretty humble guy, but I think if Lionel Messi or Mbappe had scored that goal, it would be spoken about much more. Because I think I actually think it was one of the goals of the tournament. I don't say that lightly because it was like a four v three v one. Even though you only took on the same player twice, you count the keeper, you count the centre back that was covering the space that made you go left essentially, and you couldn't cut. You didn't have the option to go right. Um, can you take me through that? Like in your mind, it looked from the outside very calculated and you're like playing the the rhythm of the defender and moving with the ball but when that's happening in real like real speed your mind doesn't have time like that's pure instinct like what for you what were you thinking when you got that ball because you kind of had a huge part of space but yeah so how I come to even that situation when Riley slipped me through was a few times in the first half where when they had controlled possession their fullbacks were getting really high and they're almost like wingbacks we had a few times where we, we won the ball and we really could have had him on the counter and just broke down. But I just, there was so many occasions where if the ball ended up that way, like I was so on, like the only one left was maybe one center back. Um, and I just, like I've looked, obviously seen the goal and I think I was on the edge of the box, our box. 
and we won it and um can't remember who won it but then I just sort of started heading attacking going forward and sort of saw that we still had the ball I think Juki dropped it off to, to someone and then he played it out to Riley and by that time I was I was running pretty quick so yeah once I got the ball I actually looked up briefly um so I took my first touch and then I, I looked up to my right and just saw there was like no one there so I was like all right I gotta so you thought you were one on one at the when you just passed no, halfway? Like, in a I sense? knew there was defenders, but I was looking up to see if there was anyone I could pass to. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, because you knew you're on the I was on the left, and I was just trying to look up to see if anyone was making a run to play on the right. Yeah, and there was no one, so I was like, "Well, I've got to go for it." <laughs> and you know, I play left at City, and I like to come inside. It's always a good option. Obviously, you can go down the left as well, but majority of the time, you you go down the left to probably cross the ball and um once I saw no one was there my first initial thing was to to go inside and shoot um but the defender sort of already was heading that way and my touch wasn't that far out where I could just shoot and then I just yeah but you took the guy to the cleaners man <laughs> honestly bro that guy's still on the pitch like with your, was it cut right, then back on your left, and he's just boom, boom, just dropped. He's just like chasing shadows. Yeah, it was, it was just, a top defender too. I forget his name, but he's a top defender. Yeah, it's. it's I think Christensen was behind him, and then I can't remember the, the guy's name. But yeah, it, he was the and then, was the left back for I played against him the whole game. Yeah, and then Schmeichel as well. Yeah, it's one of those things where it just all worked out perfect because. Yeah. You know, it looks nice and it's it's a great goal because he goes through his legs, but on another day, he hits his leg and nothing happens. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, when he went through his legs, I didn't hit it, like, massively cleanly, so it was sort of, like, hard enough, but not that hard. So I already had seen it was going over the line before before yep. it did. And then, this you know, I was buzzing, you obviously saw. I was punching my chest <laughs> and losing it. And then, yeah, the boys all came over. Five that's the thing, like, you see how close we are, like, even – you know, the, the bench players are going more nuts than the players on the field and yeah. it's, it's cool. Which people don't, that's a big thing because yeah. no one likes to go, don't get me wrong, like people want to be in the World Cup squad, but no one likes to go to Qatar for a holiday and sit. But I felt like even the, ben, the bench were invested, everyone was kind of getting minutes as well. That's sometimes for you and I think maybe you can understand this obviously being in your position, but as much as that goal will be memorable to you, probably the moment you gave to your teammates to celebrate with and all that sort of stuff was equally as powerful, let alone what Australia felt about it. Like you see all the boys just erupting off a moment like that. That's that's kind of what makes football good, hey? Yeah. And look, obviously I was the one that scored the goal. Um, and it's, you know, an important goal. And it's one of those ones that will probably be watched over in years to come. But, you know, the, the credit goes to obviously the whole team because yeah. of how hard everyone worked and, you know, the – Chuki's goal to, to for us to score um, to beat Tunisia and <laughs> to freak head up uh, like a goal that I don't, I don't know many people that could score that, that yeah I don't know anyone that could potentially do that maybe yeah. Giroud but like so random and yeah it was just it's a moment that you know it's the second time in history that we've gone out of the group so for all of us it's it's history it's mm. something that we'll we'll always be a part of and uh, yeah. Like, I'm obviously the guy that scored the goal, so, you know, the hero in that sense, but I just see it as... 
Yeah, it's the team success and everyone deserves the credit, really. It's different when you're in the four walls, I think, to you have that view. But from the outside, people just look at who scored. Yeah, it's it's always like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's always the case. It's It's always a talking point or a highlight of a game and that's the way the world works. That's why Jamie McLaren pisses me off because he can have stinkers and then it hits his knee and he gets the 1-0 winner and he's the one getting all the portraits and I play 10 out of 10. I'm like, how the fuck does that work? But (laughs) that's football, mate. Shout out Jamie as well. Two-time... It's a it's a skill. He's a he's an artist, man. and he's an artist. I wish I could do it because, <laughs> but even not not just that. Like Macca's work rate off the ball, yeah, he gets it's not it's not noticed. You know, he works really hard, and you know, his data in games is, is massive. He runs a lot, and he sets up the the defensive pressing or whatever it may be. Um, a city he does anyway, and yeah. I personally, in that position, would hate hate life. Like, well, yeah. I like to be involved in in the game. I like to be in touches, and if I'm not, I'm get frustrated or I start moving somewhere else to try to get the ball. Mm. But you know, he's done his whole career, and I think in his mind, even though he's maybe had four or five touches in the game, he probably thinks like I'm still going to get a chance. He just I'm judges that. That's what he thinks. Yeah, that's why he's so good at what he does because he doesn't get too caught in. I'm not playing well because he always thinks he can make a difference. The thing for me about Jamie that's the most dangerous is the brain power defenders have to have when he's playing, which also helps people like yourself and Naboo and Tilly get in the game because they're so concerned about what he's doing, where he's going when he doesn't have the ball, that it's it must be like by the end of the game, some of those guys must be like, fuck, that's over mm. because he's just, yeah, he's constantly on the move. He's, he's annoying. Well, the thing is they can feel like, yeah, I'm you know, having a great game. Yeah. He's done nothing. Yeah. And then he scores, and at the end of the game, he's scored a goal, and they're defending him. So it looks like he didn't do your job. Correct. And it's like it happens over and over again. So it's like it's not luck. Yeah, it's not luck. It was his second high school. I mean, him have a running bet. I hope he doesn't mind me say this, but if he beats Barisha this year, it's dinner at Rockpool on me. If he if he doesn't, he's taking me to Nobu. So how many's he got to get? I think he had. I think it was twenty one or twenty two at the start of the year, and then he. I don't know how he went. He flew out of the blocks, he's so I don't know what he's at now. Goals already. Yeah, so I think it's like fifteen or something, maybe ten or fifteen. Which for like him, nine, yeah. he scored twenty five goal seasons heaps of times, so it's definitely doable. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, with finals too, you like you count that. So possible. I mean, you're probably not going to get a season where you beat victory seven nil again. So. Nah, that's true. But yeah. yeah, he'll always score, and he always does. It's crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's good for us and, you know, it's, it's massively important for us. Um, and it's a weapon, really. Yeah, it is. Like, mm. Just knows where to be. Yeah, so you can't teach it. No. <clears throat> it's like Harlan, you can't teach it. Just a last question on the World Cup because obviously the way we went out was, as you mentioned, actually, two times we got out of the group, both times we've lost the World Champions, which is the, uh, the irony in that, Italy and Argentina. But just want to go through that quickly, that Argentina game, cause, like the quality. So I actually think we like, wasn't much you could really knock us on. They were just, it's just at, at the highest level, like, you know, it's just moments, little moments that make the big difference and obviously messy and so forth. But what was that experience like playing against them? And the, was the jump in quality noticeable? Or was it all sort of just the, the gravity of, you know, being in the knockout stages? Um, yeah, look, I thought we did pretty good against them for majority of the game. Obviously, and up until their goal, we limited them to nearly nothing. And obviously then Messi appears and he scores the goal he scored over 200 times in his career. 
Yeah, um, literally. Through the legs, pass. It's coming from that left flank. Just like, it's like people just feed him like an unnecessary pass, knowing yeah. that one's coming. And I don't even know if the guy, how it ended up at him, because I remember it sort of got shot into him quite hard. And yeah. I, I thought he tried to take a touch, but it's just gone into Messi's because Messi was like running in quite quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought we did really well against them. And then obviously they had a few chances more at the end because we were obviously trying to push to, to try to get, you know, we, we lose, we're out. So we, yeah. we got to try something. Um, But after the game, like we are speaking about it and some of the players were like, they're not going to win the World Cup. Really? Because, you know, if Messi doesn't do anything, they're, they're not that great. But oh, I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, they don't really create a lot of chances and they don't do, like, they don't really put massive pressure on you and just get chance after chance. But one thing about them was it's like their passing and like their composure in their own half to keep possession and just play out of pressure was like really better than Top France. Level. Really? Yeah. None of them really made it like a technical error. Took a heavy touch. They got a really good midfield and their centre backs were like really, really strong, really aggressive. And they thought Netherlands would beat like some of the boys were saying Netherlands would beat. Yeah, Netherlands were on fire at that time at the tournament. But I I wanted to and like once it got to the final, I thought they could go like a decent amount in the tournament. And then once it got to the final, everyone was like France, France, but <clears throat> It's another thing is like, for me, Argentina's a better team. France has better individuals in terms really? of like moments. That's interesting. Dembele, Mbappe, yep. uh, Griezmann and stuff. And Argentina, they just collectively are like really, really strong, like aggressive. Um, yeah, they're pricks. Don't like, create too much. Like yeah. don't let the other team create too many chances. And it feels like it's a build off of waiting for Messi to do something. <laughs> and it sort of is um, and then they've got like a couple of boys that just like run like dogs like that DePaul yeah De really good Paredes those kind of guys hey yeah. and I wanted them to win in the end because I wanted Messi to win a World Cup yeah because yeah. I think he's the best player ever <clears throat> um, but yeah I thought you know they, although like we held our own against them and did pretty well you know we, we had that last chance last kick of the game, we can go into extra time. Um, and at that time I was like, if we went to extra time, I think we win. Yeah. But now looking like back over the rest of the tournament, you know, they were so good in extra time. And penalties. Unbelievable in penalties. Yeah, Martinez, the keeper's like, he's made for it, so isn't it? Maybe we wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I ask you, can I, I want to ask you the same question I did about Mbappe with Messi because obviously now I think, I think the GOAT, Debate's got to be almost nail in the coffin after the World Cup. But for you, I think have you played against Messi before this. No, you played time. first time, which is because uh, I, I you played almost against everyone. But um, for for you up close and personal, what was the thing that stood out the most? We sort of like reviewed. Obviously, we reviewed Argentina, but we sort of reviewed what he does. So, and I, it's funny. I've seen like some social media stuff where. People try to break down like what he does. And it's like there was a stat in one of the games. He walked like four and a half K. Um, but it's like they say he's just 
reviewing everything that's going on in the game, where what areas you can be in to, to do something. And he sort of, when they go forward and they attack, so many times, like he obviously just drifts where he wants um, mm. and tries to find space to then do something. And he lets the game go like past him. Mm. And then he always gets in like a pocket where the ball gets played back to him. Yeah. And you see that like when he was at Barca, you know, he does it at PSG. That when he's on the right and he clips it to the back post and it was so many times to Jordi Alba to then. Yeah. And yeah, he just, because he's so like sort of just drifts anywhere, you can't, you can't defend it. Yeah. And if he's playing as a striker or, or a winger and he's just going to the midfield, what are you going to do? Yeah. Your centre-back can't follow him. Yeah. So our thing was like, okay, when he gets it, like we try to shut him off and then whoever else has it, just let him have it. Um, and we did all right. Like he picked it up in the in the game in the first half. He picked it up um, a few times in the middle and he tried some things and, you know, we, we, we covered it quite well. Um, but then he, you know, his goal. Mm. He scores a goal out of nothing. And then once the game opened up, he was the one basically creating all the chances at the end because as soon as there's space, he just drives into it and yeah. the, f- the ball doesn't leave his feet. For a random question, but who caused the most sort of brain power out of the Socceroos camp and the back ball, let's say, out of playing against Mbappe or Messi? Who was the one that sort of like you had to focus so much more on because of how lethal they were, if that if that's even a fair question to ask? Uh, we didn't really speak about that we just sort of like our tactical game plan was almost we actually try to like close the middle because we saw a lot of footage where they they, they take they get like four or five players behind the ball and they just try to drag players out to then you know play a ball in the, through the middle flick it around the corner and then that's when they, yeah. they do their thing so for us it was just like keep the center compact and then you know just try to double up and stuff on the wings yeah. um and you know what, like against them as well, the first 30 minutes was really good and sort of drifted away from us a bit. But in saying that as well, like first goal was a second phase corner, which we should have done better. And they scored, I think, two crosses. Yeah. So it was just like very, very minor things that like what made, made big differences. Concede, concede goals. Um, but open play, like we didn't, they didn't really tear us apart. Um you know, there was a couple of occasions in the first half where Dembele just put on the turners and Mbappe and they're just so fast. <laughs> Him himself as well and Dembele, he's, he's very tall. Like, they're tall. Similar build, eh? And like, the whole French team was massive. Rabiot was huge. Yeah, he's a big guy. And he looks biggish, but not as big as he looks. Towering. Like when you're next to him. Even that Tukumani, he seems like a solid Tukumani, lad too. Yeah, and even like Giroud is massive. Yeah. The back four, they're, like they're all big. big boys, yeah. Konate's very big. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, it was just <laughs> hell of a tournament, bro. Hell of a tournament. Yeah. That was a hell of a segment. It was the longest, well, longest segment we've ever had. How could we not, though? We had to rinse it all out. But um just want to go, this is going to take a change of speed, but um how has it been back in the A-League now? Obviously, you spent 10 years almost abroad, really, and this is your second season now. How? What sort of... How's it feeling? How's it been? It's good. Enjoy Anything myself? changed? Uh, yeah, it's hard to say because obviously I'm at a different club. 
And yeah, well, that's I true. Think in general, like everything's improved across, you know, clubs internally, facilities and stuff. Everything's sort of growing. Um, yeah, it's hard to say because obviously when I first came back, COVID, fans, even when fans sort of started coming back, it wasn't the, like all the fans because some mm. were probably too scared to come out. Um, it affected um, a lot of people's opinion on if it was safe. Mm. Uh, but it's good. I mean, for me it was – and when I was overseas, um, I always said to myself, I want to be playing all the time. And if I'm not at a club, if I'm not sort of like playing that much, then I want to move on regardless of where it is. So my first season in Germany was at Mutchen Gladbach. Um, I had 10 appearances, which was very good for, you know, an unknown Aussie. How old were you then? You'd have been 20? Were you younger? 20, turning 21, yeah. Yeah. You're a kid still, really. And I was supposed to be there as a first team trainer and mostly play second team. Yeah. Um, Which is still, for people that don't know, that's a top level still. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty good standard second like, yeah. level in Germany. But just to be training with the first team, with the players and stuff, was was, was a massive step from, from Adelaide, obviously. So mm. but I ended up being on the bench for the first game because I had a good preseason and I basically was on the bench most of the season. But having 10 appearances off the bench, it was a, you know, it was good. Yeah. But I still wanted to be playing. And I'm sort of just drifted totally off A League and went to. No, nah, that's the, good though, because there's, um, a, a, there's a lot of questions I have because you played for what? Mitch and Gladbach, um, Earth of Berlin, and was it Frankfurt? FSV Frankfurt yeah. was the second club, which was the second league team. Then I went from there to Ingolstadt. Okay. And then Ingolstadt to Berlin. Big clubs, man. Well, FC Frankfurt isn't the Frankfurt. Yeah, know, yeah, no, I know. The, but Hertha Berlin, yeah. and Gladbach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Good clubs, yeah. And big, big clubs. To be fair, when I went over there, I didn't even know. <laughs> because I started playing football when I was 11. Yeah. I, <laughs> I heard you were not, you're not really like, football. you weren't a football head, like particularly at Adelaide. No, my family was AFL, all AFL. Yeah. And I just started playing because I played with friends at school and, and enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, when I went over there, I didn't even know who. This is <laughs> probably <laughs> terrible, but the only team I really knew was Bayern Munich. <laughs> I didn't even know who Dortmund was. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that's how much I knew about football. Do you reckon that, like, now you review, because this is why what, when you say you're drifting, this is why it was helpful, because obviously we see so many young players go over and, and not be able to, progress and stay and and play at a high level and get that consistency um it might sound stupid but do you think being a little bit naive to how big what you're walking into may have helped you a little bit because you wouldn't have been overawed you didn't give it too much thought you're like obviously the laid-back vibe you have yeah maybe definitely could have helped and um you know going back to what you said with the players go over there and sort of lose their way and don't really you know get in get their foot in the door and often go to a, another league, a lower, lower level standard league or even come back to the A-League. Um, yeah, it's, it is hard at the start. It's mm. very hard. Um, what was the hard one? The first, uh, like the hardest part of going to Germany was the start. Really? Because you got no idea about anything. <laughs> it's just totally different country. You don't speak the language. Um, you know, you're starting from scratch in everything you do and 
when it's when you first start, you don't have like a good relationship with any of the players, and not all of them give you a time of day. It mm. takes time. Um, and yeah, I just toughened. Like I, I went went through it and, and battled it out, and um, because I trained well, or like you know, that was I was always a a good trainer when I was younger, um, and. I think me changing from first league, even though I had made 10 appearances, which was a good um, accomplishment, my first season, me going to the second league, I think was a, was a, um, you know, a very good step because I gave myself that opportunity to be competing with players where I could play mm. from the start, in the starting 11, yeah. um, when I was playing well or, or performing, so... Yeah, it's a tough one. I think uh, mentality is massive when you go overseas. And as I said before, you need to be confident and just believe in what you're doing because when you don't, you're just not the same player. And that's probably occurred to a lot of players because there's been, in my opinion, plenty more better technical and everything else footballers than me. You know, I've obviously had, when I was young, I had my weapons. Um but there's been better ones that have gone over and not made it. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things that come into the reason why. And that's, you know, mentality, if you can hack it, homesick, mm. and those type of things. And I s- managed with it pretty good. And yeah. maybe that's because I'm a bit whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just laid back as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Might even call that this episode. <laughs> um, uh, you ask everyone. You know, I, I've, I'm obviously no mutual friends. I never knew this laid back. It's actually quite quite amazing. But it also tells me why I think you, because I, I understand in that world, like what, for instance, when I went overseas at a young age and was trialing at clubs or even in the A-League, man, I just like, I was so intense. Do you know what I mean? Because I really wanted it. But that actually counteracted. So that's why I think I can understand for you that, and it's not to say that you didn't care or you didn't work hard by any stretch, but that mentality is so pivotal to four big moments sometimes you just need to be like calm you know yeah for sure and it worked out for me obviously mm. for some it might not um yeah I don't know I just never really cared about who I played against who I come up against or the occasion it was just just go out there and do it Grand Qual strikes me like a bit like that yeah. too if you, would you, what would be like, um, you might have given him advice, but because I always fear, I was like, fuck, don't get me wrong, how good is it going to Newcastle? But I'm like fearful, like 17, it's a big thing. Like, I don't want to see him back here at 23. And like, we've seen it so many times um, with players and players you've played with. What sort of, what would be sort of your advice for him going into that situation? Because it's a massive, massive step. Yeah, it is massive. And I'm not really sure. I don't want to say something that's wrong, but. I'm pretty sure when he first goes over, he's going, not able going to alone. play. He's going alone or something, right? So he's supposed to be going straight on loan. So yep. it really depends <clears> on where he goes on loan. And yep. I hope he's sake it somewhere where he can realistically play games. And you don't want to fall into a trap of going to a big club where you're not even going to get a chance unless mm. you really, really do something amazing. And one thing um, a lot of people probably know, but us players that have gone over know more than anyone is the respect for Australian players is, you know, you need to do almost three, four times as much to first gain that. Um, 
they don't really take you serious mm. in the sense that if they can trust you, if you can do a job, um, and that goes for anything. I think for a long time it was the same with coaches. Now it's getting better because of the success of Ange and the success of Kevin Musket now. And mm. um, yeah, that's so. I hope, I really hope for him, he goes somewhere where you know he will get the opportunities to play, and then it's obviously up to him to to perform. Because you don't want to go somewhere where you don't even get to step on the pitch to to maybe show it. Because he's a he's a guy he's a player that's a little bit in my when I was younger I was very raw and he's a moments player. Yes, yeah, so very he similar. Creates, he creates things out of nothing, mm. um, and it's not always easy to do that in a training environment because you know, possession drill it's it's different. It's regimented, it's structured. I was, when I was young, I was honking at that stuff. <laughs> but on a field, like, I could always create chances and, 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 and stuff like that. And just yeah. always, like, look, people were, like, watching me play because every time I got the ball, I just try to dribble people. Yeah. And, you know, he's very similar. Um, so, yeah, I, I just hope that wherever he goes, he gets that opportunity. And then it's just up to him, really. Yeah. I think I think your squad, Melbourne City, naturally is always – Probably the last since you've come back, but they've always had some like, some of the best players in the um, competition. Have you been impressed with like the standard in training and so forth? Yeah, <clears throat> very impressed. I didn't know what to expect coming back because I'd been a lot away for so long. I did know the training sort of way they go about training with the intensity and and the workload and and the whole setup with all the staff was, you know, as good as overseas. So that was very attractive to me in the sense that I knew that I'd still be at a, a good level. Um, you know, if you go to like a, a Dubai or, or another, any of those type of leagues, it's very slow paced and, you know, they probably don't train hard. Yeah. So I definitely um, was, you know, that really attracted me to come go to City. Because um, you're a Melbourne boy too. I don't know if everyone would know that listening. Shout out yeah. to the Crevalli family too for – the assist here, Nick and Johnny, you're crazy bastards, but <laughs> we love you. But yeah, you're a Melbourne boy, obviously too. Yeah, um, you got little ones as well now. Got three, yeah, yeah. So for that was that one of the reasons as well to come home. Yeah, well, um, so my wife's from Germany, right? We met over there, and obviously we had the two kids, and she was pregnant with the third. And when I was like, you know, my my contract was ending at Berlin, and I, I wanted to move on anyway because. You know, going back to when I said, I always said I want to be playing and if I'm not, I'll move on. The last season, I didn't really play much. Um, you know, there was a new investor and they, they spent a lot of money on players and it didn't really matter what I did. Like, mm. I couldn't get in. Just, you know, those players, they obviously spent a lot of money on them so they had to play them, play them to try to, you know, get something out of them. Um, even though we weren't playing, you know, that well and, you know, we're fighting at the bottom of the league, but... In that sort of circumstance, you know, years back, I would have tried to get out straight away. But, you know, with the kids, my daughter was kinder. My, my son was a baby. Um, so I sort of stayed because it was easier with the family. So I just to yeah. set up my contract in Berlin because we had already had everything set up. Um, and funny, when we, when I did, when I was talking to um, City and wanting to come back, um, COVID was not here. There was yeah. nothing. Yeah. And there was COVID in Germany. And my missus was like, 
you know, she wants to get out of here now. Like she's had enough. And we sort of said, all right, if we get back to Australia, we want to have my daughter start school from the beginning. We don't want to come right. in like two years in where yeah. the group knows each other and she's just the new kid. Even the language barrier maybe too. Or probably yeah, well, she, different. my daughter always understood because I only speak English to her. Okay. But she never spoke. Okay. But now she's the other way. She doesn't doesn't care for speaking German and she speaks English. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was very surprised with the, with the standard, just like the intensity of um, the sessions, you know, possession, the possession drills, you know, yeah, bopping it around. And um, I didn't, to be fair, I didn't come the fittest because I had been in Dubai waiting for our visas for my family and, getting that approved. So I was in Dubai for like two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I came into quarantine for two weeks. So I was five weeks basically doing nothing. And yeah, I was, <laughs> I was cooked the first few weeks. <laughs> yeah. And I was um, like, Jesus Christ, it's like you guys overrated. But yeah, <laughs> Melbourne City. Um, it's proper there, eh? I don't yeah. think it's proper I mean, the German preseason is hard because of the amount of training sessions they do, like two times a day or three times a day. Right. Here it's not like that, but, this, the actual sessions are harder. Yeah, okay. Like pushing the limits when you're like you're real probably yeah. like dead. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know, we're one of the top teams in the in the league for the previous years and hmm. we play a possession style. For, um, style. But it, that was another thing. I, I always said I wanted to come back and, you know, compete for, for trophies and stuff and have that winning mentality and that, sort of dominating style of play and um, so far it's been good. Yeah, definitely. I've only got a few more questions before we wrap this up, but I, I can't go past obviously um, the derby and, and obviously the craziness of, of what happened um, over the past few weeks. And obviously we'll ca- caveat this, that like none of us support what happened in, in the game. It was pretty crazy. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in Australian football, but just like taking from on the field perspective, like, what, what, what the fuck was that like for you? Must have just been like it went zero to a hundred real quick, and then next thing you know, Glover's running off injured, the rest covered in ash. Like can't yeah. even see. Yeah, it was crazy, and obviously, you know, it was one of the we had seen the games, previous games that had been played, and you know, the whole walking out in the twentieth minute. So we were expecting that. Um, we had feedback from the club saying that our fans will do the same, and. No doubt, Vicky. Oh, so city city fans were going to walk out after twenty as well. Yeah. Okay. I think so. And then the flares sort of came out, and we're just like, all right, maybe like they'll throw the flares, and then they'll want to stay because of the the game, you know, derby. Mm. So that could be like their their sign, their show of um emotion. And then yeah, I don't know what happened. I think. Uh, I was at the halfway line and suddenly I just saw the, the the barrier go down and people like stalling on the pitch. And then still I was just like, yeah, they're going to run on and that's it. Yeah. I didn't know the reasoning of them running on the field. Like what what, what was there? I thought, okay, maybe this is what they're doing to like protest um, the situation. And then as soon as I was like there and I actually saw the bucket hit Glover, then I sort of ran over to be like, what's going on here? I've got to get him out of there. 
Mm. And by then he was sort of grabbed. They um, they grabbed him and got him away. I think it was our our, our goalkeeper coach. Um, and then actually a bucket came towards me. I heard something. Like, I heard something was, hit you. Yeah, it didn't is that hit true? Me. So a bucket was like higher up, and I sort of had my eye on it so I could see, and I, it was sort of spinning, and I saw there was no sand in it because oh, it was the sand. Yeah, that's that the head. That's so why heavy. it's so heavy because it's normally to take the put the flares out, and it went on the ref's head. That's why they hit. So it's hit Glover, and I think all the sand went into the or like maybe the bucket hit um, the ref off Glover. Yeah, but there was one coming to me. But as it was spinning, I could see it was like empty. So I was like, all right, oh, it's not going to be too heavy. So I just sort of slapped it away. <laughs> Macho, man. And then I was like there in the mix with the fans like running on. And there was actually one victory guy, uh, one victory fan. And he was like, fuck, Lecky, get out of here. Like, go. Yeah. Like, sort of protecting me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because you, you put us through past Denmark, man. That's why you brought some, you brought some but, credits um, around the country. Yeah, what should we say? It's... It's obviously not what we want to see, is it? No. Nah. How is how is Glover? He's like I he's, heard. I heard he's get, got stitches across the face. Like, is he able to play, or is he good, like still in doubt? Or uh, he's he's okay. Um, you know, he's in good spirits, completely normal, back to normal. It's um, it sort of bulged up really quickly, and then when he went inside, I think he got stitches. I don't know how many. And then someone said because. Before we knew what was going to happen with the game, whether it was going to get called off or not, um, they were asking our opinion as players, like, regardless of their decision, do we want to play or not want to play? Um, Glover was the first one to be asked, and he's like, yeah, I'm sweet. I'm good. Fuck. And then we are like, all right, well, if Glover's ready and he's good, we're all good. How was he going to play with that cup, bro? What are they going to do? Strap his face so he couldn't see? Five, ten minutes on... He sort of had symptoms of being a bit rattled, a bit concussed. So we're like, all right, well, we're not going to play. Um, we're not going to make a sub because of what's happened. Yeah, the dis- disadvantage. Yeah. And then I think regardless of what, what our decision was, I think it was getting caught off anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it's not. It's not what you want to see, is it? You don't want to see Post fans. the World Cup too, like, bro. Doors. Like everything was gone. You know what I mean? And that's the biggest problem. I think the World Cup really brings everyone together. Like even people that are sort of like just sort of into the football. On the fence. When it's World Cup time, like everyone gets around it. And yeah, it's just sort of diminished everything. So it was like time to capitalize. Yeah, great, great. Um, and now it's just like, yeah, it's it's not a good good situation. So right. hopefully um, something like that doesn't happen again. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Well, I don't know if it's been come out yet. I'm sure it will when this podcast does, but I reckon you guys are getting some points for that and victory's in a bit yeah, of trouble, well, no doubt. Which that was is a shame. Thing. We were like, well, what's going what's gonna to come of it? Yeah. And we'll see what happens, but in my opinion, we have to get the points. Like, oh, I, think that's a, I think that's a given, like 3-0, you we'll guys winning. get the points. We're winning, you know, it was their fans. Yeah. And they really got to sort of find a punishment where the fans don't do something like that again. Because mm. if it's not, if the punishment's not big, then they think they can do it all the well, time. Well, I, th- I think in this, like, before we move on, I think generally there's jail time for that. I think it's a, like yeah. an assault. Yeah, I think so. I generally think they can, they, it can be. I don't know if who administers that, whether that's the APL or like Glover has, you know, if he wants to press charges mm. or the ref or whatever. But I think that's where victory is taking it. 
right. um, to to make a, a stand because it's like it's really a fan of football if you're doing that. You know what I mean? Like you. Well, I think you're thinking differently about the game. Seeing the footage, I think once I could actually hit him, the guy was like, Fuck, "Yeah." The, apparently, the guy there's a photo of a guy wincing it through it. Yeah, yeah. He probably didn't expect it to hit him like that. Yeah, yeah. Any, anyway, we'll go, go to this last question because this is something we always ask the guests on the show and I think it'll be a perfect question for you with sort of your career and, and the heights that you've hit of late. But I attest three sort of traits to anyone successful in sports or business and I just want you to pick one of the three that they're all important, but one of the three that for you was without, you wouldn't have been able to be, you know, the mat like you are today. So it's out of resilience, drive or ambition. Those cold nights in Germany by yourself, bro, which one were you leaning on? I probably would say it's hard to say, like throughout the whole broad of my career, but I think the massive, most important part of it was the start when I went overseas. Mm. And <clears throat> to sum up that or to best describe it was probably the resilience okay. to get through it all. Yeah. Um, because that's sort of what can make or break your overseas um, mm. journey. And in the end, I got through it and then, you know, I was there for 10 years. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing is just getting there and staying there. Yeah. Do you know what? As a football person, I don't know if maybe people think this at all, but I think with all you've achieved as a football person, my thing is for you would be staying in Germany for 10 years. I think that's bigger than anything you've achieved because that's so hard. But that's a day-to-day job. Like that's different country. It's difficult. You're... Like you're from the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, so you've, you know, it's not like where you've lived. Um, so I reckon that that's yeah, very truthful. Yeah, but you know, you you get used to it, and after a couple of years, it's like you're home away from home, or you sort of forget how it was at home. Mm. Um, you know, as, as I said, I met my wife, and then we got married, we had our kids, and you, we created our little family. So yeah, then you sort of like focus on your everyday life with them, and then. Uh, it just made like coming back extra special because it was like, you know, I'm going to be in, in town for two weeks. So it's like everything has dropped. Yeah. Um, you know, my mates taking off time at work. Hyper fun period. Just always doing stuff. And now like, I was like for the last 10 years, that's how it's been. So like <laughs> when I get back, it's going to be weird. And now it's just like, you know, they have their lives. I have mine. We still <clears> catch up, but like, there's just so much going on. Mm. So, um, yeah, it would be impossible to hold off the two weeks what we were doing to doing that in everyday <laughs> yeah. life. Yeah, with three kids, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it's really how you look at it. It's yeah. your mindset going into it. Like I always knew that two weeks I'd come back on holiday to see friends, family, um, how good it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the times I came back in over Christmas, so it was like good weather. Yeah, best. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Lex, bro, thank you for the memories of the World Cup, all the Socceroos. Uh, looking forward for the rest of the A-League season. Um, I think you're flying fit, mate. You're still in good shape. So appreciate you coming on the podcast, bro. It's been great. Yeah, it's been cool, man. And shout out to the, uh, the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning OzCast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. OzCast. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details.